Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I had to get up from my chair because I left my magazine that I was going to read from over on another desk. I had to run over there and get that right quick. So good to have you with us here today. Vacation week for me rolling on. Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. This is a pre-recorded show. We don't try to like pull the wool over your eyes and pretend we're live when we're not. We're very upfront about the fact that we're not live today, but we're also very candid about our desire to keep delivering good shows, even though they're not recorded kind of in the moment, recorded live the way that we normally do each and every day. We think we're going to have a lot of fun. In fact, we think we got off to a good start with our vacation week's worth of shows last week there as well. Big thanks to all of you for continuing to be a part of these shows here this week and allowing me to have a little bit of chance to take some vacation time. I really appreciate that. One of the things that we said on yesterday's show was that this whole mentality that exists out there for Georgia this year, Kirby Smart this year, about, well, it's national championship or bust. If not, now when for Georgia winning a national championship? One of the things that we've said about this is that that misunderstands kind of a key principle, just an obvious fact that has to be ignored if you want to push that narrative. And that's the notion that somehow time is not on Kirby Smart's side. Young coach, relatively fresh and new in his tenure at Georgia's co- as Georgia's coach, the expectation would be that Smart will be at Georgia, a healthy, viable coach for many decades to come. That, that his window as a national championship coach, the Georgia program's window as a national championship program, doesn't come close to closing at the end of this year. It's going to extend far beyond this year that time is actually on Kirby Smart's side. And something that actually maybe accelerates that point a little bit more is, is if you look back over the course of the last few years and you discuss, well, what has been the thing that has prevented Georgia from winning a national championship? The truth is, is it can fairly easily be kind of winnowed down to just one point. Now, there's also a risk this is overly simplistic and that you're misunderstanding some other key factors that must be considered. But basically, bottom line It's the issues that Georgia has had offensively that have prevented this team from winning a national championship. As I told you yesterday, you know, I don't want to discount the difficulty of getting over the hump against Alabama or getting over the hump against Clemson or the possibility that Georgia may have to beat both those teams twice here this year to win a national championship. The challenge awaiting Georgia is daunting, but I don't think any of us can deny that the conversation happening around Georgia here this offseason is more pleasant than the one that took place a year ago. This is just a lot more substantive in terms of what Georgia might be able to do this season. And there's a lot less wishing and hoping and a little bit more, I guess, confidence around some of this. Let me give you a thing that I think points this up and backs this up. And I've told you that a lot of what we're doing for our vacation weeks worth of shows kind of is taken from some of these preseason college football magazines. I enjoy the magazines. I think they're fun fodder for conversation. I like reading them. I'm kind of an old school guy that way. You've heard me during the SEC through yesterday, and you will hear me in the SEC throughs that are come that are to come for the rest of the week, kind of using the section where an anonymous coach is quoted 
And sometimes that kind of candid feedback about an SEC team, I could think, can be really illuminating. There's also an example of this from Georgia. I'm not going to show you the quote on the screen because it's a little too long. But I do want to read a little bit of this to you because I just think that it speaks very well to what Georgia has been and what Georgia might be a little different uh, this year. When it comes to the situation with the Georgia offense, this is what the anonymous coach, quoted Athlon Sports, has to say here. He says, offensively, they're sort of adrift. And unfortunately, that probably has been true for Georgia times. What are they trying to do? And he's actually referencing the 2020 season when he says that. Last year, it was really muddy. And I think a lot of that had to do with betting on Jamie Newman, losing him, and then adjusting to JT Daniels in season. This anonymous coach says, I think it's fair to say they know they need to evolve, but they haven't found the right way to do it just yet. Having consistency, though, with a returning quarterback is a good start. And when you listen to the anonymous coach say that at Athlon Sports, who can deny that's kind of been true? That the offensive evolution that Georgia fans hoped would occur a year ago was probably to a degree put on hold when the weirdness of whatever it was that happened with JT, uh, excuse me, with Jamie Newman occurred last year. There was reason to believe that Newman, had he been at Georgia, been the starting quarterback, could have been effective. But when he decided to opt out of the season and, you know, all the ill effects that Georgia felt from that, that probably did hamper Georgia's offensive development just a bit. But even still, even when you thought Newman was going to be your starting quarterback and you were leaning on that, you are still leaning on a guy that you had never seen in a Georgia uniform. And whatever hope that you were putting in in Newman was really the kind of thing you didn't have a lot of verifiable evidence to back it up with. And to a degree, the same thing was true of Todd Munkin there as well. You had reason to believe that Munkin was going to be a good offensive coordinator, but no obvious proof of that. And when you think about how things have now evolved a year later, let's stay with Munkin here for a moment. College football fans, Georgia fans, no different. I mean, they are as likely to harshly criticize an offensive coordinator over the littlest thing, game in, game out, year in, year out. You've seen that for yourself many times before. But put your ear to the ground. Listen to what Georgia fans have said about Todd Munkin. Whether you congregate on message boards, you look at our comment section here, on we broadcast these shows and the video platforms or what you see on social media. Have you seen anything in the way of criticism of Todd Munkin as Georgia's offensive coordinator that wisdom the wisdom of crowds here in the case of Georgia fans kind of pretty quiet when it comes to complaining about Todd Munkin I think would lead you to believe that Georgia fans were pretty happy with what they got from Munkin a year ago so all of a sudden this isn't the 20 you know 2020 conversation of hey maybe Georgia's got a good offensive coordinator a year later Georgia fans are left to believe you know what? I saw my guy last year calling plays, not a perfect year, a lot of weirdness at quarterback. But all in all, I was kind of happy with what I saw from Todd Monk, and that might be what most Georgia fans would say. And contrast the quarterback situation here for a moment. As the anonymous coach, quoted Athlon Sports, said that, hey, last year, muddy waters when it comes to Georgia's offense. Putting faith in Jamie Newman, who ended up not playing a down for Georgia, then scrambling after that, and all the the you know identity crisis that may have created for Georgia along the way. Finally getting a chance to play JT Daniels once he was healthy near the end of the season and feeling like you got a little bit of a spark once you did that. But that was the feeling of 2020. 
compare that then for a moment, the way that you felt, the the blind faith that you were forced to put in entities you hadn't yet seen in a Georgia uniform, compare that to the way that Georgia feels right now, the way that possibly even Kirby Smart himself feels about this Georgia offense going into 2021. In fact, let me let you hear Smart in his own words from the spring talking about Georgia quarterback JT Daniels and ask yourself this, did Smart have any opportunity to say anything close to this at any point in time leading up to the start of the 2020 season i think the answer to that is a resounding no this kirby smart jt's he's a really good leader and i think the fact that he's come back and he's had a little more time you know he never got a chance to really get to know these guys because he showed up wearing covid he wasn't playing then he was playing then the year was over so he's just now um, kind of uh, embracing the relationship with those guys so embracing a relationship that he's had a year to further, established as a leader, proven on the field as a player, that's a much more pleasant conversation for Georgia this time around than it would have been a year ago. Now, that does not mean that Georgia's going to be the best offense in the SEC or the best offense in the country. But for the Georgia fans who are hopeful that is true, I just think you've got a lot more to lean on in terms of why that hope might actually come to pass this season than it did a year ago. We are obviously going to notice all the things in which we still don't know about Georgia and the things that sometimes fans kind of wish were different about UGA. It's only natural to pay attention to that. But it's also kind of nice to notice the things that have improved year over year. And for the Georgia fans and the national media who wants to see Georgia step up, as has been written by so many people, a more established quarterback, a firmly established offensive coordinator make the chances of Georgia taking that big step forward all the more likely. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Hello to you, and thanks for being with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're looking forward to being back on the radio again once I'm back from vacation on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and of course, podcasts, wherever you find them, including posting the show each and every day at the worldfamousdognation.com. Really glad to have you with us. And coming up in a couple of minutes' time, we'll continue our preseason preview with our buddy Connor Riley. We'll take a close look at the Georgia defense. But before that, speaking of playing defense, you want to play defense against foundation and waterproofing issues around your home. Protecting your house something very important to do. So if you see those water spots kind of creep in, if you see those cracks show up in your foundation, it's important to do something about that. And the best thing you can do is to give a call to Engineered Solutions of Georgia. First time, they, first of all, they're proud partners of UGA. That makes them fun to do business with. Good friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily for a long time. So I'm always grateful when you support those who've been good at supporting us. But the other thing here is I have great confidence in recommending them to you because I know the kind of work they do. They've got two full-time engineers on staff. They will solve your foundation waterproofing problems because they are, after all, a solutions-based company. That matters. Phone number, very easy to remember. You can simply get in touch with them by giving them a call. Dial this number, 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia, smart folks doing great work when it comes to foundation waterproofing issues. Make sure you check them out today. So as promised, we'll talk to Connor Riley here coming up in just a moment. A Kroger Fresh Take with him looking at the Georgia defense. A little bit of a preview there. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse. And if you don't mind, I want to go back to the recent past here for a moment. 
playing audio clip, and then when it's done, I'm going to explain to you why I think that matters. This is the opening statement from Kirby Smart's post-game press conference after Georgia beat Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl. Now, there's a little bit of like that Zoom audio quality thing here that you just can't really do anything about. Obviously, we're in the throes of the pandemic when this uh, press conference was recorded, but Smart feeling very happy about a win against a team that he said was better than some people assumed this Kirby Smart from January. The Cincinnati team, absolute incredible effort, toughness, uh, the way they played us defensively. Um, I got a lot of respect for Luke Fickle and his team. The quarterback they got is a talented man. And for people to try to take shots at their, at their conference or their level of play, you know, they got a really, really good quality football team and a lot of seniors on that team. So I was thinking about that win for Georgia against Cincinnati and some of the things that Smart had said about Cincinnati, including that clip you just heard a lot lately because literally I really have been reading these preseason magazines a lot and boy in every single one of them Cincinnati shows up as a very solid preseason top 10 team when you read the write-ups about what Luke Fickle brings back for the Bearcats here this year and the team that George beat in the Peach Bowl a year ago I do think you're left to conclude that that was a much better win for Georgia than maybe some folks gave it credit for being there at the time And I'm going to say something that may sound somewhat outlandish, but I think I can back this up. While no one would have disputed that it would have been better for Georgia to have been in the college football playoff last year, where a team like, say, Clemson was, who Georgia opens the season with this year, can you say that Clemson had a better conclusion to its season because it played in the playoff, given the fact that it was beaten up badly by Ohio State in that game, than Georgia, who got a nice what you'd like to believe is a momentum starting win against a top 10 Cincinnati team preseason here for 2021. Didn't Georgia against Cincinnati have a better conclusion to the season? Now, Clemson earned its way into a game Georgia would like to have been in, but played awful when they were there. Georgia, on the other hand, uh, got a nice win against Cincinnati that validated what it did in 2020. I would say possibly setting itself up for more success in 2021. In fact, do this exercise in your mind for a moment. How many teams last season had a better win to conclude the year than what Georgia had against Cincinnati. And you may say, well, I don't care about Group of 5, BA. That, that, that's not impressive to me. Well, if that's the way that you feel, and to a degree, I kind of feel the same way. I won't lie. But if we feel that way, that puts us at odds with Kirby Smart, who had some very complimentary things to say about the Bearcats right there, and puts us at odds with most of the preseason magazines who look at Cincinnati and still see the Bearcats as a preseason top 10 team for this year. So for the sake of conversation, let's assume that Smart and the preseason magazine writers are correct here for a moment, and this is a top 10 level team. Georgia beat that team in Atlanta to conclude its season. Who had a better finish to last last year? You might could say Oklahoma did. They beat up on Florida pretty bad. We all enjoyed watching that game. And you could put the Sooners in the similar category with Georgia in terms of big bowl wins that give you momentum to to start next year. Maybe Alabama did as well. They obviously, you know, walked their way towards a national championship in impressive fashion. But not Notre Dame, not Clemson, you know, not teams, uh, you know, along those lines that that had a chance to to show up on a big stage and just didn't really play very well there. I'm not telling you you ought to celebrate last season as a great success for Georgia when you missed the college football playoff and you have Georgia's resources. You know, that's obviously a disappointment. 
But I am going to say this, that the more you look at the chatter ahead of the upcoming season, the more that you realize that what Georgia did to conclude last season was actually pretty good. Beating Cincinnati was a fairly nice addition to Georgia's 2020 resume and a possible springboard for 2021 momentum. And I think that's at least worth pointing out here today. It's great to have you on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Speaking of preseason magazines, really interesting anonymous quotes coming up. Uh, coaches weighing in on some of the SEC rivals and foes and opponents that Georgia plays in this league. Pretty good insight to be shared by that. We'll get that for you before we're done. But for now, preview the Georgia defense. What's the outlook here for 2021? How good is this unit going to be? Let's find out all about that as we do a Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, our vacation week programming rolls on here. Let's do a Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley right now. It does occur to me as I see myself on screen that I'm essentially wearing the same shirt for what's going to turn out to be very many days in a row, and I realize the audience doesn't care about this, but you know, there's a certain sort of continuity requirement that you not be in like a thousand different shirts, um, you know, for the the various things that have to be kind of spliced together. So we're recording part of our vacation stuff on one day of the week and coming back and doing the other part the next day. You essentially have to be in the same shirt both those days, which means the old gray Georgia golf shirt here is going to show up on the screen here a pretty good bit, which... I guess it sort of is what it is. Yeah, I came a little prepared for this. Had a shirt on earlier today for oh, my appearance on Doug Nation Daily. Now I got the jacket for this, smart. so good to go. Yeah, smarter than I am. It's also one of those things, too. It's like for people who kind of can't really quite tell which do, which day of the show is different, yeah. you know, it's like if, if the same BA in every single one of them, that becomes a little confusing. But nonetheless, uh, good stuff here. I, I love what we're doing here for this week's worth of vacation shows. First of all, I think we've had great stuff for vacation. You know, I'm away, but we still want to deliver good content. And obviously, a little bit of a preseason look at all of that, what the team is going to be like on the field this fall. Very fun thing to do here right now. Uh, good stuff from John Stinchcomb yesterday when it comes to the offensive line. Really fun stuff the next couple of days with Mike Griffith looking at the offensive side of the ball, quarterback, skill position players, things like that. Connor, if you don't mind, though, in your time with me today, I want to talk Georgia defense here for a moment. And let's go big picture for a second, and then we'll kind of work our way to the various position groups. First of all, do you think that Georgia in 2021 is a team that is kind of still led by its defense? Has the identity changed enough now where it is Todd Monk and JT Daniels, the Georgia offense, or is there a chance that the number one component of why Georgia is a championship contender, it's what we hope to be, if you're a Georgia fan anyway, a top-flight defense? I don't think it is, and I don't think it can be. As I think we saw last year, that Georgia defense had as much talent as anybody in the country, and when it was facing similarly talented offenses, it didn't matter. It just In today's college football, you need to have a quarterback who's one of the best in the country, and you need to have elite skill position players if you're going to win a national championship. And that doesn't mean you can't ignore the defensive side of the ball. I thought Alabama in the national title game did a great job, especially on the line of scrimmage, making things very difficult for Ohio State. But over the course of the season, just having an elite offense makes everything else so much easier, and you're not having to sweat out those one-score games. So drilling down here just a little bit, when you look at the defensive line up front here, for the last two years – I think it's safe to say Georgia's been the best rushing defense in the country and certainly the best in the SEC, which I would say makes you the best in the country. And with Wyatt coming back, Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis, who you you know assume you're going to have for a full season here this year, to say nothing of the other defensive linemen kind of in that rotation, 
I have a hard time imagining that Georgia won't once again be very good at its rush defense. Now, as you said before, there are more important things when it comes to winning a national championship, but being very good at stopping the run is still a pretty valuable commodity, and my assumption is that Georgia is really good in that regard once again. This is, I think, easily the most talented defensive line Kirby Smart mm-hmm. has had in his time at Georgia. It may not be quite as deep as it was a season ago, but when you bring back Jordan Davis, when you have Devontae Wyatt, who I thought was maybe the best player on Georgia's team in that spring game, and then you have four or five-star prospects in, in Trayvon Walker and Jalen Carter who are going to be able to wreak havoc, especially on passing downs. You know, this defensive line, while, yes, I think they're going to be stout once again against the run, I'm excited to see what they do against the pass mm-hmm. and pass-rushing situations because I think that's an area this group can really get better in. Yeah, I want to move to that because while I can absolutely say, oh, yeah, Georgia's going to be great stopping the run, you don't see how they won't be. On the pass rush stuff, whether it be the name that Kirby Smart mentioned during the spring, Trayvon Walker, or the names that we would commonly associate in that discussion, the outside linebackers, the Nolan Smiths, the Adam Andersons, you know, the uh, – I'm leaving out a very MJ big name. MJ Sherman. Yeah, yeah, I'm leaving out, you know, some, some big names in that conversation there of guys who may be able to contribute to all of that. Um, when, you, when you think about that group and what they're going to be able to do, like on the one hand – I clearly think the sky is the limit, big-time possibility for what this group might be able to do in last year, foreshadowing that possibly, because I thought last year was Georgia's best pass-rushing effort under Kirby Smart, and certainly since Dan Lanning's been defensive coordinator. However, I can't quite be so sure that what happened last year wasn't a lot about Aziz Ojolari having a very good individual season and that you know some of that may have been the weirdness of last year how confident do you think Georgia fans should be that the big stride forward with the pass rush a year ago continues here in 2021 like a seven out of ten the talent I still think is there and obviously it's not as deep at the outside linebacker room as it was a season ago but Adam Anderson can be a real pass rush weapon I know there are some people that are questioning Nolan Smith I'm not one of them I think this guy is going to be a stud and have a big year they're not as deep as an outside linebacker but I, I think with the talent you have on the defensive line you can make up for that they're going to have to get a little bit more creative in, in sort of maybe scheming some of those guys open and just really saying hey Trayvon Walker we know you are one of the best athletes in all of college football go get the quarterback Jalen mm-hmm. Walker we know you're going to be an absolute nightmare Jalen Carter excuse me yeah. Jalen Walker eventually yeah. <laughs> Jalen Walker eventually uh, Jalen Carter we know you are going to be an absolute handful, handful for interior defense for offensive linemen go get the quarterback I, I, I want to see that I want to see a guy like Jordan Davis who I think has shown at times yeah. he can be a pass rushing weapon mm-hmm. I want to see Georgia say hey Jordan I know we want you to be gap sound and clog up bodies go take down the opposing quarterback it's a slight it's a slight change in mentality but I think when you saw that with Georgia do it what they did last season and do it at the outside linebacker position I think you're going to see them do the same thing in the defensive line this year yeah because if you're talking about Jordan Davis as a first round pick and I have talked about that plenty I mean, that's Derek Brown. That's Javon Kinlaw. These were not just space eaters. These were statistical yep. performers, sacking quarterbacks, double-digit tackles for loss. And I think that Davis has that as a possibility. Now, matching exactly what Kinlaw and Brown did back in 2019, not an easy thing to do, but it, it's certainly a possibility. But if you're a first-round defensive tackle on the SEC, there are going to be some stats that go along with that. Right. You look at, say, even last year in the national title game, Christian Barrymore was yeah. a huge problem for Ohio State, and they couldn't block him. And he was creating and causing pressure from the middle of that defense. So if you're Jordan Davis, who came back to Georgia for next year for a number of reasons, to play in Charlotte in front of his home in his hometown, but to become a first-round pick, which I don't think he would have been in this year's draft, you're going to have to have those pass-rushing numbers, those sack, tackle-for-loss numbers, to really answer all the questions and doubt that NFL teams might have about you. I want to talk about the other linebackers here for a moment, and 
this group is interesting for me because all these guys can play, or at least they seemingly have certainly the potential of being you know good players. We've seen flashes from Quay Walker. I think Channing Tendall is one of those guys that if he really gets a chance just to be kind of parked on the field for a long time, there's really no telling what he might be able to do. And you can kind of go on and on and mention a bunch of guys there that way. However, the one point that I've made repeatedly is when it comes to the country or even the region, those who really follow the SEC closely, there just seems to be uh, an underappreciation, a little bit of anonymity right now for N'Kobe Dean of the linebacker spot. Now, I don't realize that N'Kobe got an injury that he's coming back from that kept him off the field here this spring. But when you see, like, hey, best players in the country or, you know, top this, top that, even though Dean got some, uh, what do you call it, Buckus Award love a year ago, was it was one of the semifinalists or, you know, finalists, whatever, for that award. And in some of the chatter you see here during the preseason, Dean's name doesn't come up as much as some of the other Georgia players do. And I think if you ask Georgia fans, and I've made this point before, if you ask Georgia fans, list me the three or four or five top players in this defense, Georgia fans, I think, pretty consistently would mention to Kobe Dean there, whereas nationally, it's the other guys who get those mentions instead of Dean. I'm really of the belief that I'm not saying he's going to have a, a, a Roquan Smith type season, but in terms of actually introducing himself pretty quickly to the media and to the folks who think they follow this league pretty closely, I think, I think there's a huge gap right now in terms of Dean's value to the Georgia defense and how that value is noticed by people kind of outside the bubble of dog nation yeah nicobe dean's game so far it, it you have to be paying attention on, on every down to realize just how much he does for this georgia defense it doesn't sort of leap off the screen the way roquan smith did in 2017 but if you go back and remember roquan smith in 2016 and again you know that roquan comparison is always going to follow nicobe dean and I think he's done as good a job as anyone can in terms of living up to that and doing what needs to be, it needs to be done. I, I, I drew rave reviews this spring about how he led, how he was in practice. I think Nicobe Dean is going to be an absolute star. How much of an impact he makes, I don't think it'll measure up quite to as much as Roquan Smith did, but I think that has more to do with where the sport of college football is yeah. now compared to where it was not so long ago back in 2017. I want to ask about the Georgia secondary, and I know that'll be a hot topic. We'll do that coming up. Let me remind folks, it's our Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here. Our friends at Kroger, not only do they take good care of their customers each and every day for those who go in their stores, they also take care of the employees who take care of those customers, and right now they're inviting you to find out how true that is. Kroger is hiring, and they are looking to hire you potentially. So check out this website, jobs.kroger.com. That website, once again, jobs.kroger.com. You can find out about why Kroger's really about more than just a job and a paycheck. It's about a total package of incentives that make the experience great for you. You can find out all about this. There's the potential for tuition reimbursement and a lot of cool things like that. So check out this website, jobs.kroger.com, and you can find out more about what you're eligible for and what you might be able to do. Or you can actually just stop by your local Kroger store and see them today, too, and they'll tell you more about that. Connor, when you joined us last uh, Tuesday, I thought you said something kind of interesting about the Georgia secondary that I don't 100% know that I agree with, that that you still have big question marks about this group, even after the arrival of, of Darian Kendrick and Tyke Smith. And obviously we kind of, at least at the time we're recording this, we wait to find out what might be true or not with Brandon Turnage, the former Alabama defensive back. And while on the one hand, I don't discount what Georgia's been through, losing a bunch of guys to the NFL and kind of aging out of the program and having to replace all of that, However, I think my expectation is that given the way that Georgia's recruited this position and given the aggressive measures that Georgia's, you know, gone to to bring in talent, all-American level player in Tyke Smith, uh, all-conference level player in Darian Kendrick, both of which may be first-round picks in the 2022 NFL draft, 
I guess my thought here is between what you just brought in, between what you already had in, what's the big cat gift, the figure it out thing? My yeah. guess is you ought to be able to figure it out just given all those resources that you have at your disposal. But it seems like based on your conversation from last week, you're a little more skeptical than that. Yeah, I think the additions of Darian Kendrick and, and Tyke Smith, they raise the ceiling of what this Georgia secondary can be and it makes you feel a lot better about that. But I think for that first game in particular against Clemson, I still think the floor is pretty low for this defensive back group and what they might be able to do. Because, you know, on top of all that, on top of all the actual on-field turnover, they do have a new position coach there as well as Jamil Adai. And how all all those new pieces coming together and mixing together, when these guys all step on the field together against Clemson, whoever's back there starting, it's going to be the first time those five guys have all been on the field together at the same time in a competitive environment. And it's going to be against... A, a team that has really talented wide receivers and in one of the biggest games in college football. So, you know, if Georgia were playing, say, UAB Week 1, South Carolina Week 2, Vanderbilt Week 3, and then Clemson Week 4, I'd probably feel a lot more okay about what we would see out of this Georgia secondary. But with all the newness and all the turnover, that first game – I'm not exactly expecting it to be smooth sailing out there against D.J. Uyunglele and Clemson. I have shared a comment that Nick Saban gave one of these coaching clinics. You know that stuff gets you know spread around the internet all the time. And Saban was talking about how important communication was for defensive backs. That if you have the defensive secondary talking to each other and they all do the same wrong thing, that that's actually yeah. fine. What you can't have is like one person doing the wrong thing, and that obviously is more likely to happen if the if the group's not talking with each other. Which I think kind of speaks to what you're saying there, which is. The chemistry matters, and knowing how to move in relationship to how someone else is moving is a huge part of this. And one of the reasons why Georgia may lean on Lewisine's leadership a little bit, that's the guy who's kind of been back there the most here. So I don't discount the fact that this is not fantasy football. This is not going to West Virginia and plucking guy off that roster and Clemson plucking guy off that roster and you know Under Armour All-American team and plucking a guy off that roster and saying, all right, this is my group right here, that there's actually something to these guys playing together. I don't discount the need for chemistry, but I don't quite know how Georgia could have done any better addressing what was an obvious need mm-hmm. based on all the guys who left. I mean, this is about as much of an emphatic response to that need as I think you can ever see a program have. Yeah, I think Kirby's done a great job picking the groceries. He's got some great you know, meat cuts, the freshest vegetables, so to speak, but until it all comes together and the meal comes as one in that first game against Clemson, it's going to be something to follow and watch. And, and there's no way to know how it's going to happen. There's no way to know how comfortable does Lewis seen feel right. playing zone behind, say, Jalen Kimber or Keely Ringo at one corner. And, and I do find it interesting that this spring, Kirby Smart talked about wanting to play more zone coverage. Well, if you're going to do that, then you're going to have to communicate a heck of a lot more than you would be if you were just playing man coverage. Well, Georgia says they don't play straight man-to-man, and they don't. They play more of a, a zone match. If you're going to play more strictly zone coverage, you're going to need to communicate a lot more, not even just vocally, but just having an understanding of where you are in connection to everyone else on the field. As this group kind of grows into itself here a little bit, do you think it helps Kendrick first game to be playing against his old team or hurts him to be playing his old team? In other words, does he know more about them or do they know more about him in this first matchup? There's a narrative, and I've I've added to it, I won't deny this, going around about Kendrick where you look at the way he played against LSU in the 2019 national title game and then Ohio State last year. We're against elite competition, elite wide receivers. His numbers were not just not good, but outright bad. And so having that first game, I think it's going to be a huge opportunity for Kendrick. One, to sort of show that he can be the player that a lot of people think he is. But two, and most importantly for him, 
to back up that, hey, I can do this against elite competition too, in, in addition to playing, say, the Kentuckys, South Carolinas, the teams that don't have those elite passing weapons. Yeah, it's very interesting to see. Connor, thank you for being here as part of a Kroger Fresh Take. I know you've got a lot coming up at DogNation.com. I also know you're taking a couple of days off here as well while we're in the midst of our vacation week. So I'm going to trust that you enjoy yourself there, and we'll look forward to speaking back in this live venue again very soon as well. As always, it was a pleasure, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Thanks so much for being with us here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Fun stuff there a moment ago with our buddy Connor Riley. We'll also continue what we started yesterday, which is a look at the anonymous coach quotes from Athlon Sports, their SEC college football preview magazine. Y'all know how much I love those. I think there's some really pretty juicy things said about some of the various SEC teams. We're going to share some more of those with you coming up in a moment. Before that, though, quick shout-out to my friends at Merriweather and Tharp. I love what they do as well because they're your source for Georgia divorce. You can find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com. The fact of the matter is, for some of you, divorce is going to be something you have to deal with. And here's the thing. Life is short, right? I mean, the current season of life you may be in may not be all that enjoyable, and I hate that. But my encouragement to you is make the next season better, the next chapter of your life. Make it more enjoyable. And, you know, obviously the, the most important relationship in your life is a big factor in all of that. So if what you're doing right now is is not, you know, working for you in that regard, then sometimes that's just the next step that has to happen. And that's what my friends at Meriwether and Tharp can do for you. The Atlanta Divorce Team dot com. You can find them online there. They've been through these kinds of things thousands of times. They have institutional knowledge they can put to work for you. Now, your situation is obviously specific to your certain circumstances, but Meriwether and Tharp can help guide you through all of that. The AtlantaDivorceTeam.com, that's the website. Your source for Georgia divorce is my friends at Meriwether and Tharp. All right, Athlon Sports, College Football, SEC, Preview Magazine. How about some anonymous coach quotes here for a moment? And, you know, yesterday we kind of gave you – what was it, Arkansas and Florida, and there was like some, a lot of words we kind of shared. The big pull quote I had from what they said about Tennessee in the SEC preview magazine is a lot more succinct and a lot more to the point than that. Let me show you this on the screen. It's just a few words. I don't know why this makes me laugh, but the blunt nature of this comment is just funny. The anonymous coach quoted to Athlon Sports says, defensively, the Vols are going to be bad, so get ready. <laughs> I mean, listen, that in itself is worth the price of admission in a show like this because I think for a lot of Georgia fans, they're ready for Tennessee to be as bad as possible. And obviously there's a lot of, like, subtext in all of this. That Josh Heupel's kind of an offensive-minded coach, and, you know, eventually he may, you know, correct the offense, but what's really going to happen on defense? How is that looking for the Vols this year? Big-time players like Henry Toa and others who have kind of moved on from the program. I guess Elante Taylor has stayed, right? And that's, like, the big anchor that does return for the Vols here this year. But this is kind of a Tennessee team that's just very much in flux from a talent standpoint. And it could be really, really bad. And by the way, if it is, keep this in mind for if the Vols can't stop anybody defensively, then who is that better for in the SEC East? Offenses that can really feast on Tennessee? If you're an over-under better, this could be the kind of thing that you're paying close attention to. Uh, Pretty succinct language there from an anonymous coach, not expecting much at all from the Tennessee defense. Speaking of bad defense, also from the Athlon Sports SEC College Football Preview. Some skepticism out there about a team from the SEC West. 
Ole Miss. Now, this is kind of an interesting dichotomy of what the anonymous coach seems to think is going on for the positive offensively for the Rebels compared to the negative defensively. Let me show you this. The statement here is that Lane Kiffin is a savant, probably the best pure play caller in the game, but the defense is keeping them down. I'm not sure there's a bigger gap between the two sides of the ball in this league. And the fact of the matter is, that's not the kind of thing that you need the cover of anonymity to say. Most folks have said something similar, but this coach does go a step further by saying they, meaning the Rebels, just don't look SEC, honestly. That, an anonymous coach, quoted Athlon Sports, but the state with Ole Miss. And the presumption you're going to make here is this coach said these things, understanding how, like, magazine, you know, press deadlines work. This coach said these things before Jacques Jones, the leading tackler from a year ago, the linebacker, put his name in the transfer portal. So it stands to reason that the Ole Miss defense in real life could actually be worse than this anonymous coach assumed they would be when he made that statement there. And we all know how college football has changed, right? It, it clearly has. But it hasn't changed that much. You've still got to play some defense in the SEC. You know, if you're great on any one side of the ball, you still have to probably be average on the other side of the ball. And by average, I mean about 60-something to 70-something nationally at that spot. You can be average and still have you know plenty of success, but you can't be great on offense and terrible on defense. That's not the recipe for a winning season. So pretty big spotlight there on the Ole Miss defense. One more to get to here. Let's do Texas A&M. Once again, courtesy of our friends at Athlon Sports, the anonymous coach at this time saying when it, when it comes to the Aggies, what they can do this year, it really comes down to the quarterback competition. And that's Jimbo's wheelhouse this coach says. They're stacked on offense. They're very good on defense, maybe underrated. So it's really just the quarterback we don't know about. And obviously, once again, that's an anonymous coach quoted by Athlon Sports. And our understanding of the quarterback competition for Texas A&M, it is down to Hayes King on the one side, an athletic quarterback who can throw the ball well, but also a little bit of a runner. Zach Calzada from the state of Georgia. He's from Sugar Hill who briefly was on Georgia's radar in recruitment a couple of years ago. Was that class of 2019, I think, that uh, Calzada was? These recruiting classes run together for me. Um, but at one point in time, was briefly on the radar for UGA. So it's kind of Calzada versus King there at the quarterback spot. And I do believe in Jimbo Fisher's ability to develop a quarterback and choose one. My guess is he'll choose well. I guess the one thing I might slightly disagree with, though, when it comes to this anonymous coach is – whether or not they are as loaded offensively as this coach seems to think they are. Mike Elko's defense, I'm assuming, is pretty good. Uh, we think by now that A&M is probably pretty good at running the football there as well. They're deep at running back. But do they have it figured out at wide receiver? I would suggest maybe not quite yet. It's one of the reasons why, even though I'm you know certainly impressed with Texas A&M, been slow to want to say, yeah, they really can get over the hump and topple Alabama. I'm not quite so sure of those offensive playmakers at the receiver position. So I'd have some skepticism of the Aggies, maybe more so than what this anonymous coach suggested there. And for now, we'll make that your SEC through. So for our YouTube audience and everything else who wonders what the Texas A&M talk is, there's a little bit of Aggies talk there uh, as they try to figure some things out. And, and listen, as we've said on previous shows, also remaining a bit of a thorn in Georgia's side when it comes to the recruiting standpoint there as well. So we'll continue to pay very close attention to that. As a reminder, no golden shoe here today. We'll look forward to giving out our golden shoe as a part of our Gator Hater Roll Call when we return to live shows again next week. I'm really looking forward to being able to do that with you. Hope all of you are enjoying the week as 
I'm away here right now, and hopefully we're satisfying your need for UGA football talk with our pre-recorded shows here as a part of Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Let me, though, give you the Gator Hater Countdown as we say goodbye because we don't take our eyes off the lousy, stinking Gators even while I'm on vacation. 137 days from right now, Georgia gets some revenge against Florida. Boy, it's going to be sweet. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by ESOG. And on video and on the podcast, time now for our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. We're taking your comments. Obviously, we can't do those live here this week, but we still want to try to keep this segment going, and we'll look forward to having, you know, the podcast segment separate from the video folks next week and the video segment, you know, taking those comments live the way that we do. We'll look forward to getting back to normal next week, but kind of a at least some version of the R.S. Andrews cool down right now. Check them out online, rsandrews.com. They'll get your air conditioning unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs. I have been soliciting your comments, reading some on the air. I read a good one yesterday. I want to read one here today. We'll have more throughout the rest of the week. Matt MD2, writing in the Dog Nation forum at forum.dognation.com, asked a really good question. He says, our offense has elite weapons. We talked about the Georgia offense earlier in the show today. He says, and it has depth as well. Pretty much every skill position. However, he says, running backs are going to need room to run. JT Daniels needs time to throw. Will our offensive line be strong enough to allow those guys to really succeed? Or will the running and passing games be stifled by the opposing defensive lines? It's a very fair question. I think it's fairly representative of what a lot of Georgia fans are probably wondering about right now is Georgia seems to have a lot going forward. Does it have a national championship level offensive line? And I guess here is the thing that I've tried to consider related to this topic for the entirety of the offseason. I think there's always going to be a thing that every fan base in college football is the most worried about. And when Georgia used the transfer portal to address its defensive back situation as emphatically as it did, I do think it put a bigger spotlight on the Georgia offensive line. And so now there may be a degree of kind of paralysis by analysis where Georgia fans have kind of talked themselves into the offensive line having problems that it might not truly have simply because it would appear to be the most unsettled position unit for Georgia, given what's happened in the transfer portal with defensive back. But I can promise you this, that there are other national championship contenders that are just as unsettled at certain position groups as Georgia would appear to be at the offensive line. Now, I'm not going to discount the overall topic because it is important that Georgia answer those questions on the field here this fall. But I guess I am still of the belief they are more likely to answer those questions than not. And Matt kind of touches on this with his comment a little bit when he talks about will the running and passing games be stifled. Here is what I think modern college football has become about. If you want to go back and look at 2019, the Georgia rushing attack in 2019, big step down that year from where it had been in 2017-2018. Was it a bad offensive line? Doesn't seem like it was. That offensive line had two first-round offensive tackles, and Solomon Kinley was also a draft pick and I think an eventual starter for the Dolphins. Didn't he start some for Miami uh, this past year? So you can't say that's not a good offensive line because they had three NFL pieces at least on it. And that's just from that 2019 draft. So I would suggest that the struggles of the Georgia passing attack made it harder for the Georgia offensive line to to bolster the rushing attack. So this season, if you want to make things a little easier on your offensive line, then just have the passing attack be better. Now, I realize your response is, yeah, well, B.A., that's all the more reason why you got to have pass protection. That's certainly true. But a competent quarterback, dynamic wide receivers, an offense that spreads you out wide, attacks you deep, I mean, I think any offensive line would say my job is made easier when I get a chance to to have that helping me out, an ally for me. All of a sudden, opposing defenses are just less sure what I'm trying to do. So 
My answer for now is I think the Georgia offensive line will be fine, and I'm basing some of that on the, the talent this group has, but also some of that on a defense that no longer can correctly guess very easily what Georgia is going to do makes the job of an offensive lineman easier because he's just got fewer guys to block now. So we'll see if that works out to be the case. It's our R.S. Andrews cool down on both podcast and video. Check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. Story after story, they've been delivering smiles, and they want to deliver smile for you. So find them online, rsandrews.com. Thanks for being here for our R.S. Andrews cool down and for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia on video back tomorrow at 10 a.m. podcast whenever you feel like listening to it either way we'll see you again tomorrow and thanks for being with us on this vacation version of dog nation daily presented by esog for more dog nation videos check out youtube.com slash dog nation